very excited to be here with you. Um, like John was saying, over the last um, three months, 13, 12, 13 weeks, we, each week we've been looking at um, an aspect of Jesus' nature and character. We've had uh, different speakers uh, come up here uh, to speak with us on, one, on, a, on an aspect of Jesus' um, nature and character. And together, as a corporate body, as a church, uh, we've been sitting down, you know, just fixing our gaze on him, um, encountering him, seeing him, just in, enjoying his peace and his love together corporately. Um, if, if there's anyone that knew about um, being in the presence of God, it was David in the Bible. And one thing David said was, he said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his, in his temple. You know, this day we live in a very fast-paced world, very fast-paced. We're busy, we're anxious, we're stressed, you know, we are going after many things. In the first service, I shared um, a, a word the Lord gave me um, on the very first day we started this, um, this series. And he says to me, you're busy, 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 anxious, and afraid. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only a few are needed. Indeed, only one. There's nothing like being in the presence of God, because in that presence, there is freedom and there is, there is peace. My question to you this morning is, if there is one thing that you seek the most, what would it be? What is that one thing that you seek the most? Is being in the presence of God a priority for you? I'm not talking about when we come together and we sit still for a few minutes. But personally, daily, is being in the presence of God a priority for you? Have you made time during the course, for those of us who have been here over the last three months, during the course of this, of this um, Sit at His Feet series, have we made time personally to go through one of those practices? Maybe sometimes in the evening you just sit still, you recount what you've been through in the day and see how God has come through for you. That's one of the practices. I want to encourage us that as we bring the series to a close today, this is not the end of sitting at Jesus' feet. It is a lifelong practice. Because when we sit at the feet of Jesus, we experience his freedom. The Bible says the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Bible says as we contemplate his face, as we behold his face, we ourselves are changed. You know, so if we want to be changed, if we want freedom, maybe from strongholds of the mind, from any kind of bondage. If we want to be changed to be more like Jesus, we need to press in and sit at his feet. So I've been spent the last three months... You know, sitting at his feet, you know, beholding his wonderful nature, um, listening to different speakers speak to us about different aspects of Jesus' nature and character. We think it is fitting today to bring everything together, all of those wonderful character of Jesus, to bring everything together in one character that sums up everything. And what would that be? That would be the love of Jesus. So today I'll be speaking to us on the eternal and undiminishing love of Jesus, the eternal and undiminishing love of Jesus. We'll take our Bible reading from Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. That should come up on the screen behind me. And please feel free to also follow um, in your Bible if you have one. I read Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. I will start the sermon today by making an an analogy. Um, If you have parents who are expecting children, you know, they will often make preparations for, 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 the, for the babies they're expecting. Most times they will look for new homes, they will look for bigger apartments. You know, some will say we're looking for a more conducive environment, we're looking for a, to move to a better area. And some will even start thinking of secondary school, grammar school, you know, move, moving to a catchment area and, and, and things like that. And personally, ourselves, when we're expecting um, the first child, you know, we started putting things together. Money was quite tight then, about 15 years ago. So weekly, we would put uh, 20 pounds, 40 pounds into savings, and it was a shift at work. And then we got this lump sum, and it was about 800 pounds, the most money we've ever spent on anyone, being spent on an unborn child who had no thoughts, you know, she couldn't show any appreciation, she was powerless. We got this money, went to Brent Cross Shopping Mall, bought baby bath, baby toys, baby clothes, and we're showing all this love to someone who couldn't even respond. She couldn't care less, you know, she didn't know. She was powerless. And I think the same thing goes with us. God was always loving us before we had any thought of it. The Bible says the Lord's love is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him. The Hebrew word for everlasting is olam. Olam means beyond what we can see, beyond what we can perceive. Vanishing point. The Lord's love is from vanishing point to vanishing point. You know, if, if, if you think back as far back as possible, as far back as you can think, think back to your youth, you know, continue just thinking as far back. At one point, you will find that your thought vanishes. It disappears because you couldn't think any further. Beyond that point, beyond that vanishing point, God was loving you. God was loving you. If you switch forward and you start thinking forward tomorrow, next week, next year, next decade, retirement, beyond all the good days to come, and you continue thinking as far as possible, you'll find that at one point, your thoughts will vanish. Beyond that point, God will still be loving you. The Lord's love is from everlasting to everlasting and covers everything within. What does that mean? That means that we were not accidents. You know, God has a plan. We were born out of the will of the Father. He said, come, let's make man in our own in our own image, after our own likeness. And God created us in his own image, in his own likeness. We are a product of God's love. And even while, before he created us, he saw that we would sin against him. He saw that we would rebel against him. Even in eternity, before we were created, he made a plan. He didn't say to himself, you know what, I'm going to take a few things out of this, and out of them, I'm not going to pour my whole image onto them. I'm not going to make them in the fullness of my likeness. No, instead he said, I will pay the price for their rebellion. He saw this in eternity past. And he did. He said, I will send my son to die for our sins. In our mother's womb, he saw us. David said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts towards me, God. How vast are the sum of them. 
all the days ordained for me. It means every single day. God is detailed. He is interested in every single day of our lives, every single minute, every single second, every single hour. And then it says, how precious are your thoughts? God's thoughts towards us are precious because he loves us. He says, how vast are the sum of them? God has many precious thoughts towards you. Even in our rebellion, when we're hostile towards God, after we've been born, we've known, come to the knowledge of good and evil, we're hostile towards him, we're in rebellion, refusing to accept the one who created us, the one who gave us life. At that point, God sent his son to die for our sin because he loves us. The Bible passage we just read said, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us when we were still powerless. Like we were spending money on my daughter while she was powerless. God was paying the price for our sins while we were powerless. Now, why would God choose that time? God says, at the right time. At the right time. Why was that the right time for, Christ to die, for, God, for Christ to die for us? The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not height or death or things past or things to come, angels, demon, tribulation, famine. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. But again, in Isaiah, Isaiah says sin will separate us from the love of God. So when we became hostile and rebellious, when we turn our backs to God, God knew that sin will separate us, and he paid the price. It wasn't an easy price. His son died on that cross. He was nailed to the cross. He endured hardship and pain just because God wanted us to remain in his love. So God loved us before we even knew about it. He loved us even when we were consciously sinning against him. He gave his son so that we could remain reconciled to him. And God continues to love us today. God continues to love us today. Verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God continues to love us. His love that he had for us in the past overflows into what he has for us now. I like the way John Piper puts it. He said the physical crucifixion and suffering of Christ on the cross ushers us, brings us into God's love for us today. If God was loving us in the past, when we didn't have any thoughts or any recollection of it, if he was loving us when we were hostile to him, we can be sure that now that we've come to know him, that God continues to love us. But the question is, is this your reality? Are you experiencing the love of Christ in the realness of life, in a tangible way? Christ died for us. He came and died on a physical cross in a tangible way. God demonstrates his love. God could have left Jesus Christ in heaven and said, you know what, you can die for the sins in heaven, you know, die on a spiritual cross, and it would have been enough. But he came and demonstrates his love so that we can experience that love and the question is, are you experiencing that love today in a tangible way? Is this your reality? What are the things that are stopping us from experiencing God's love in a tangible way? I think one of the things stopping us from experiencing God's love will be the shame from our past sins, maybe. You know, we are still carrying the guilt of the things we've done in the past, thinking God is still condemning us. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All the things have passed away, and all things have become new. The Bible says God is not holding our sins against us. If anyone has received reconciliation through Jesus Christ, God is not holding your sins against you because there is now 
today in the present, there is now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. If you've received Christ Jesus, God is not holding the past against you. For some of us, it's not what we've done personally. It's what people have done to us. You know, people have hurt us in the past, and we've, carried, we've been scared. People have spoken words to us. You know, personally, I knew I, I, for a long time I was hurt by words that were spoken to me when I was young. You know, people said to me, you couldn't amount to anything. You know, at the time, it didn't mean anything to me, but as I grew older and I started struggling, I realized, you know what, maybe that was true of me. You know, so, so many of us, people have said things to us that we're thinking, is it true what they've said to me? But we are not who people say we are. The Bible says, behold, what manner of love the Father has for you. Behold, are we seeing the love of God or are we seeing what people have said about us? You know, behold, what manner of love the Father has for you. I think it is time we let go of the past. Paul says, one thing I do is I forget the past and I press on so that I will lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Are we pressing, are we willing to press on into the presence of God, into the presence of Jesus so that we can start experiencing his love, forgiving those who have hurt us the way we have received forgiveness? One of the other things that I think will stop us from enjoying the love of God in the presence, it's our performances. Sometimes we are overly focused on our performances. You know, how many times we come to church, how many times we read the Bible, how many times we've helped people outside. No, we're thinking every day, we go through the day, and then at the end of the day, we condemn ourselves maybe for the things we have said, for the things we have done. We cannot earn God's love. We cannot earn God's love. And God's love for us does not fluctuate based on our performances. We cannot earn God's love, and his love for us does not fluctuate based on our performances. It is by grace, the Bible says, it is by grace you have been saved, and this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God. The Jews went to Jesus Christ and asked him, they said, Master, Master, now what can we do to do the work of God? And he didn't say to them, you need to go to the temple, or you need to pray, you know, facing the north or facing the south. He said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on the one he has sent. So God is not looking at the outward performances, God is looking at the heart. And when he looks in your heart, what will he see? What will he find? Will he find faith? The Bible says the only thing that matters is faith that expresses itself through love. Will God find faith? If there's anything that pleases God, it is faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Will he find us abiding in his presence, abiding in that love? God is not looking at the works that we are doing. It is good to do good works. But even the good works, it is God who empowers us to do those good works. The Bible says it is God who works in us to act and to will according to his purpose. And it says when we abide in him, we bear fruits. So I want to tell you this morning that God is not condemning you based on performances. He's not looking at your performances to love you. Our performances are not to earn God's love, but they are a response to the love of God that we enjoy. Another thing that could make us to doubt God's love for us in the presence, I think this is probably the most important. There are trials and tribulations, some of the things we go through. You know, someone could be saying this morning, you know, if God loves me, why am I struggling? Why are my finances struggling? Why is my health struggling? You know, why, why are my kids struggling? If God really loves me, why am I struggling? But the presence of trials and tribulations does not signify the absence of God's love. The presence of trials and tribulation does not signify the absence of God's love. Like the disciples knew, Jesus can be in the boat and the storms will still arise. But the power and the love of God is made real in the presence of trials. 
the power and love of God are made real in the presence of trials. The presence of trials proves the genuineness of our faith. And when there are trials, we can be sure of one thing, that at the end it will lead to praise and glory. If you ask the goldsmith, you say, can you prove to me that this item of gold is genuine? The goldsmith will tell you that that item has been through the furnace. You know, the impurities have been taken out of it. And the glory of it that you can see is because it's been through the furnace, it's been purified. So it is with us. You know, trials and tribulations have a way of purifying our faith. It has a way, they have a way of showing that our faith is real. They have a way of revealing the true power of God to us in, 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 in the circumstances that we face. If you ask any Christian who's been a Christian for a while, maybe 10, 20, 30 years, if you ask them the secret you know, of their steadfastness in faith, the secret of, uh, of the faith they've held on to for those decades, they will tell you stories of trials, stories of tribulation. And they will also tell you stories of the power of God. Nobody's exempt. Jesus Christ said, I'm telling you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, in this world there will always be trials. In this world there will always be tribulation. But he said, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. No matter what trials we face in this world, Jesus says, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. It means the world can only back at us. The power to destroy us has been taken away from the world. I can tell you a few stories of myself because nobody's exempt. You know, I've been through the loss of a father, been through the loss of a brother, been through, through the loss of a mom. You know, my, my father literally died in my arms while I was praying over him. You know, my, my brother died exactly a day to our wedding day. And my mom, on Christmas Day, we went to visit um, a, a widow in church, and we spent the whole day visiting this elderly widow. And on, we got back very late. And um, on, I said, okay, it's late now. On Boxing Day, I would call. On Boxing Day, before I could call, someone called me. My mom had a brain hemorrhage, and I never spoke with her again, and she died on New Year's Eve. You know, we all go through these trials, and there's been days of depression, of stress and anxiety. There have been times when I've been so anxious, I only went out at night. You know, but I can tell you of the power that also sustained me. In those trying times, the words of God were real. They were more real than at any other times. The words that I will never leave you or forsake you. The words that I have engraved you on the palm of my hands, your words are forever before me. The words that I have created you, so I will sustain you. The love of God sustained me. And in that period, my faith was shaped. I knew beyond any shadow of doubt that the love and the power of God is real. So I want to encourage us this morning, if we are going through trials or troubles or tribulation, that the presence of God is always with us. The presence of God is there. The presence of trial does not signify that God has withdrawn his love from us. And finally, if God loved us in the past, before we had consciousness, remember God's love is from eternity to eternity, and it covers everything in between. God is also loving us into the future. God's love continues beyond this world. God's love is eternal, and one day we will be reconciled with God in perfect relationship with the Father for all eternity. This is God's plan for us. Everyone who has received reconciliation, the world we know today is passing away. We see all this pain and all this suffering, some of the things we read about in the Bible, sometimes, I'm uh, sorry, in, in the news. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, how low humans can get. You know, some of the things we've read lately, I don't want to go into any of them. It's just too painful. But one day, God is bringing an end to all this suffering. 
Revelation 21, 3 says, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them, and he will be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And God is making everything new. He will judge the sins of this world. God will not allow sin and rebellion to go unpunished. For those who have reconciled with God, those who have received that forgiveness, that reconciliation through Jesus Christ, who will enter into God's eternal love, his undiminishing love, we will be justified because we have received that eternal promise. But for those who haven't received salvation, those who haven't received God's love, God's offer of reconciliation, there is a different path. It will be eternal judgment, eternal condemnation. It will be eternal separation from the love of God. The good news is that offer of acceptance is here today. Have you accepted the love of God? Have you accepted reconciliation with Jesus Christ? Have you received the forgiveness of sin? Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. He is there waiting. He is knocking at the door. He said, if you open it, I will come in and fellowship with you. God's offer of love is here to accept today. And God's offer of love, God's offer of reconciliation is only available in Jesus Christ's son. Jesus Christ, who is gentle and humble. Jesus Christ, who is the lion and the lamb, the sovereign servant. Jesus Christ is full of compassion. He is full of joy. He is full of power. Jesus Christ is our high priest who washes away all our sins. He is full of wisdom. He is our friend. Jesus Christ is our intercessor and advocate. He is rich in mercy and kindness. And his love is eternal and undiminishing. Praise God. Amen. Amen.